Hey everybody, this is Ed from the Whiskey Tangent Podcast, here with our good friend Scott. Hey everybody! For another Whiskey Short, and Scott's going to tell you what we're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a mouthful. Uh, Ed, you picked this up at Benash, of course, a brand I'd never heard of. Never heard of. This is the J.W. Kelly and Company Old Milford Straight Bourbon Whiskey Double Oaked Single Barrel Select Quick Taste. <laughs> Whiskey Short. I think quick about that. <laughs> yeah. So I looked up J.W. Kelly. This is sort of similar to the Clyde May when yeah. we had that. I'd never heard of him before. It's like, is this a real person? Well, and mm. I would never have bought it except for a reason I'll, you know, that you can imagine. <laughs> right. Billy. Thank yeah. You. Billy from Benash, where I'm like, yeah, I would probably try it. I think you'll like it. It's yeah. how they get fished right. in. Right. Billy, right. <laughs> Billy doesn't make me do anything, but it's like, no. he's like, mm, yeah, you should probably try it. And I'm like, all right. Strongly suggested so i looked up jw kelly uh he was a real person and he had a very interesting story did he have a brother named machine gun he did not okay no maybe it's his like great great grandson oh that'd be cool yeah so this is uh, a quick story but it's not quite that quick but a lot of interesting information as usual here we go james watt kelly was born on february 26 1844 in Waterford, Ireland. That's right. When he was eight, his family moved to Dublin, where he later received some hands-on business education in the wholesale wine trade. In 1863, when he was just 19 years old, James emigrated to New York City, where he lived and worked for a year, and then decided to move to Nashville, Tennessee, during the height of the Civil War for some reason, to work for a stationary business where he assisted with a compilation of Nashville's first-ever city directory. In 1866, James visited Chattanooga to collect a debt from someone who said he needed another month to pay up. So James decided to just stay in the city while he waited, rented a storefront, and founded J.W. Kelly & Company, a retail liquor store that eventually grew into a wholesale liquor business that rectified and bottled whiskey under its own labels. This is when you could make whiskey easily in Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. Before, bam, 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 <laughs> prohibition. Yeah. Foreshadowing. Well, you can just like set up a business yeah. in 1866. It must have been so easy then. I always hear stories about that where it's like after losing his money, he emigrates to America and opens a business. I'm like, wait, wait, wait how? <laughs> like, I can't open a business now and I've been working for the last 25 years. Exactly. Uh, by 1870, now married to his wife, Elizabeth, James had obtained several distribution partnerships with multiple tobacco, cigar, and liquor brands, including Budweiser, Hennessy, Guinness, Pabst Blue Ribbon, and several California wineries, and had also begun distilling his own own whiskey at a new distillery he built called Deep Spring Distillery. A few years after that, through various partnerships, he would sell real estate, becoming a prominent landlord for stores, homes, and retail spaces, including the bar, billiard room, cigar shop, and restaurant inside the Reed House, a now famous and still standing Chattanooga Hotel that was built in 1872. Wow. And for the next 30 years, J.W. Kelly and Company's operations flourished, especially the distillery, which despite being located in the first state to begin passing laws restricting alcohol, would eventually bottle a total of 12 different whiskeys, including his best-known brand Deep Spring, as well as Old Milford, Golden Age Rye, and Melrose Rye. Unfortunately, however, in 1906, James became ill and by early 1907 was too ill to even leave his home. On March 10th of that year, feeling well enough to join his wife in entertaining some visiting relatives, he decided to take an afternoon nap, but a short while later, when his wife came to check on him, she found James unresponsive, dead from a brain embolism. 
Sadly, just six months later, his wife followed him in death, passing after battling a respiratory disease, and because the couple never had any children, their estate, worth almost $11 million in today's money, was left to over 30 different beneficiaries, including friends, relatives, business associates, and various charities. Not my grandparents. <laughs> no, nor mine. And so, the J.W. Kelly and company continued. However, after a series of ever more restrictive alcohol laws were passed in the state of Tennessee over the next decade, and stop me if you've heard this one before, <laughs> the company was ultimately ultimately forced to discontinue operations after the enactment of Prohibition. But then, almost 100 years later, in 2017, a company called Keeper's Quest relaunched the J.W. Kelly & Company brand, reviving some of James's old labels, Old Milford, which we have tonight, Golden Age Rye, and Melrose Rye, as they say on their website, our work continues to preserve not only the legacy of James Watt Kelly, but also the legacy of his whiskey, a world-class spirit with a Chattanooga soul. That's amazing. I love the fact that, you know, we see the connections to the home country, right? Ireland. Mm -hmm. Like, it would have been cooler if he came from a family of whiskey makers in Ireland, but really there's no connection. He just happened no. to be. He could have come from Croatia, for all I know, right. or, or Turkey. or So, really, he had no whiskey chops, I guess. Mm -mm. But he had to have some type of a knowledge because he jumped right into it. Right. What I think is interesting about this is, compared to what I've been doing the last, I don't know, six months on the podcast, I have absolutely no idea what this is going to taste like. Now, mm. I know it's supposed to be a straight bourbon whiskey, and it's 113.4 proof. Yes. Single barrel, double oaked, but I mean, I have no reference point. Like, right. Well, maybe this will help you. So the mash bill is 75% corn, 20% mm -hmm. rye, and 5% malted barley. That's an Ed mash bill. It is. Uh, I mean, if you're making me a whiskey, start right there. <laughs> yeah, start in the 70s with your corn. Uh, the age is not stated, but the site actually says it's aged between five and eight years initially, and then the second barrel, eight to 12 months. Oh, okay. And the source distiller is not disclosed, but is possibly the Chattanooga Whiskey Distillery. Uh, the price okay. is about $60. Ed, how much yeah, you get this about for? That, about that's that. $60? Yep. Hey, Benash doesn't dig you. They give it to you right where they get it from. All right. And that's it. Yeah. Now we just taste it. So we have these in our neat glass covered. I'm giving it a swirl. See what we smell. Scott, what are you getting? Uh, I'm getting really light fruits. I mean, it's sweet, but it's not like cloyingly sweet. I got like an apricot. Okay. Which is strange. Cause I don't think I've ever got that as my first note. Yeah, yeah. It's still a little fiery, even it, in a neat glass. It is. Like, I was I, just about to say that. It's tingling my nose, which doesn't usually happen. No. A little brown sugar after that. Yep. Mm -hmm. Almost like a toasted brown sugar in mm -hmm. a way. Yeah. Citrusy, too. I'm getting like a little Ooh. orange zest. I'm not sure if it's a sweet orange yet. I can see a little orange. The color is very orange. It's like... It is. Almost like a Grand Meunier. All right, let's take a sip. All right. Okay. Oh, smooth. That's, uh, I can't believe this is 113.4. Yeah. Like it's yeah. very smooth. Yeah. It's coming in around maybe 95, a hundred. It's got a nice, like white sugar, almost like a simple syrup. Mm. And then you get a spiciness, which I can't identify quite yet. I'm getting a little cinnamon, mm. some pepper. Yeah. Yeah. Like cracked pepper. Yeah. It's very pleasant initially. It's so sweet. I get a little bit of orangey vanilla, almost a creamsicle kind of flavor yeah. right on the front. Transitions into sort of a oaky, spicy mid palate. Right. Some, some of the orange and sugar that we were smelling comes across as a little bit of a creamsicle. They blend together. So you get like a sugary orange yeah. when you drink it. This is the most sugary start to a whiskey that I've had on a while. Right. And if it stayed that way all the way through, it'd probably be a little off-putting. But it, it, it would. really stops quick. Yeah, it does stop quickly. It goes right into this complex, um, mm -hmm. uh, spicy, peppery, some baking spices for sure. 
I'm enjoying it. It's this a, is not really my profile, but I do like the transition from the really sweet to the really savory. Yeah, well, I mean, they helped you out by making it so spicy. It's a very mm-hmm. spicy straight bourbon, and it's a single barrel. It's slightly, just a slight dryness on the end. I mean, I think it's very drying. Not off-putting. Mm. Very it's a quick finish. Quick finish. Yeah. But the burn is in my throat. There's no heat when I drink it, but when I swallow it, there's this. And I know that <laughs> there pe- it is. people are like, duh. But I'm like, it's really approachable in your mouth. And then, boom, the Kentucky hugs weight, or in this case, the Tennessee hugs weight. Yeah, weight. yeah. So let's put some water on it. Oh, see yeah, it. yeah. Good call. Let's see if that helps. I need a little bit more, shockingly. <laughs> and I'll put some water in. I don't want to have it too watered down. Yeah. Hmm. It's a little less sweet, I think, on the nose. Hmm. Yeah, I think the water made it less sweet. But what it does is it evens it out. Right. That's such a great way to put that. Yeah. So when I first sipped it, he's right. There was like a sweet section and then a, you know, kind of spicy and then a peppery and then a dry, hot finish. Yeah. And now it's just like... It's like the same flavor all the way through. Yeah, like the sweet carry through. It's actually really changed it. I kind of miss the super sweet part of it and then the transition by adding the water, but I really do like the flavor of it after adding the water. Yeah, I think that's the best way to go. Yeah. And this one's a perfect example of how I enjoy this a lot more after I've had five to seven drops of distilled water. Yeah, I'm tasting a little bit of orange on the finish now, and the finish isn't quite so drying. Right. Well, we literally added water to it, so maybe it wouldn't, but no, right, still. This even this out into a very enjoyable drink. It's almost like a mixed drink. Like Uh-oh. now, it's like when you get a really good mixed drink where all the ingredients are blended together, yeah. all the tasty notes are blended together. So what were we supposed to taste? Okay, about? so on the nose from homebar.com, there weren't a lot of yeah, reviews right. for this. Yeah, this is an underground thing. Yeah, on the nose, they had a really sweet with the maple syrup note standing out above all else, typical caramel and vanilla with some brown sugar, but right underneath is a fair amount of oak. Okay. Okay. I can I totally. Didn't, I didn't pull oak out of it, but I wasn't looking for it. And we weren't really getting the maple syrup, no. but that was their barrel. Yeah, we didn't get it. On the palate, reverse of the nose. As up front, you get a bit of dry oak, but then a powerful sweetness takes center stage, which we did get. Quickly replaced with strong maple syrup and a fair bit of spice, mostly black pepper, but a touch of baking spices too. Yeah, pretty good. Once again, we didn't have the maple syrup. I mean, not even a touch of it. No. I mean, I don't no. know what happened to that barrel, and good for them, because I would have <laughs> loved to try theirs that tastes like maple syrup. We didn't get that. Seriously. Have a lot of the other elements. Yeah, on the finish, medium long and pleasurable finish. Oh. You feel it going almost all the way down, carrying all of the flavors of the palate with a bit stronger cinnamon flavor and a touch of soy sauce. I didn't get any kind of saltiness or like umami flavors. I mean, uh, do you taste anything? I mean, it's actually, it's a little saltiness. I mean, now it's, see, it's a little. See, I know we I went looking for suggested. it, but you, but you got it too a little bit. I, I, and I'm not really suggestive because they told me maple syrup, and I don't taste that. Because I think the burns there too. You have to, yeah. you know, we had to fight through the burn to get it. Yeah. But since they told me to go look for it, they gave me a homework assignment. Well, listen, if palates are one to ten and ten being the best, Scott and I think we're probably six or sevens most of the time. You know, we've worked hard in our palate, but oh, this guy might yeah. be at nine or ten. Yeah, who knows? And and honestly, I went back in with a hater mindset. Uh, it's not, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm not going to taste soy sauce on this. But you know what? I did taste a little saltiness at the very, very end, just a kiss of it because I went looking for it. And that's why sometimes it's good to read a couple of people's tastings notes right. after you've tried it yourself. Yes, after. So you're not influenced. No, and that's why we do that. It's not only to confirm or disprove our tasting notes, but uh, also get maybe hints of stuff that we didn't think of. And, you know. I'm out of I'm out of the whiskey. Gun. Oh, wow. Shocking. It's evaporating. This side of the room is drier, is drier over here. <laughs> I think I've already taken all the moisture out of the air. 
you <laughs> just sucked it all to hydrate myself and keep myself moving. Oh my god! So now I have to hydrate the whiskey with some water too. All right, so we'll do their other expressions. Yeah, four other expressions, and then I have a surprise for you. Okay. So uh, we got two rise and two more. Oh my god, Beyonce's here. Bourbons. <laughs> Or is it all the single ladies? All the Wait, or is it the ghost of the queen? <laughs> it is Halloween, after all. Oh, right. We don't know when this is coming out. Right. So, so yeah, we right. we're recording this right before Halloween. Right. Because this one we're actually recording just to do. We're putting this on the shelf because we got the bottle. We want to drink it on the air. Just saving it, just in case. You yeah. Know. You never know what's going to come out. You know, maybe we'll have like a, I don't know, going on vacation. Right. Have to, you know, give a kidney. Lawsuits. Yeah. Cease and desist orders. Right. We might have to pull one and have to have one ready to go. So uh, they have two ryes and two more bourbons. The Golden Age Straight Rye, which was one of the uh, classic brands. No age statement, but it's at least two years. at 65% rye, 20% malted barley, 15% malted rye. Wow, that's a sexy mash bill. It's only $35. What is it, like a day old? <laughs> well, uh, at least two years. Creamy, sweet orchard fruits and classic rye spices with notes of crusty bread and white pepper. The Melrose Rye has a rye finished in Amarone wine casks. No, As opposed it, to the Melrose Place Rye, which is finished in cosmopolitan barrels. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so witty. Oh, my God. I cracked myself up. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> There's no age statement, and the mash bill is not disclosed, but it is 92 proof, spicy and dry, with heightened notes of cherry and cinnamon. That's $60. The Old Milford Bourbon, which is the lower expression of what we have. And what's the proof of that normally? That 94. Oh, shit, that's pretty cool. Yeah, $30. Spicy oak, vanilla, English toffee, honey, white pepper, and baking spices with hints of coffee and fine chocolate. Now, that's pretty great tasting notes. Yeah. For something that's 94 proof and not a single barrel, I would have loved to have those notes in here. I would love to compare them against the original with this. Yeah. Also, I hear if you're walking by for like $7, they'll just dump a shot in your mouth for you as you walk by. Like, it's like so affordable. It's like These sound like the most affordable whiskeys we've done on here. The rye, $30, $40. And you probably have experienced this out there, too. <laughs> Right. But there are a plethora, and this is one of them, of new companies yep. reviving old brands that source. And right. the sourced whiskey is expensive. It, they charge $60, $70, $80. These guys are not doing that. The most expensive one is the Melrose Rye, but that's been finished right. in wine casks. That's the $60 one. And the other two are uh, $30, $35. And there's one more. There's the Reed House Single Barrel Bourbon, the Reed House, which I mentioned in the history, uh, created to celebrate the 150th anniversary of that hotel. It's probably the same mass bill as what we're drinking right now. It's just that they picked it. It's 114.8 yeah. proof. It's $60. And similar tasting notes, uh, but selected by the Reed House staff nice yeah so the surprise i have for you is yeah. they have a cocktail on their website oh good that i thought was interesting so when we do these little quick tastes and they have an interesting cocktail on their website with the liquor that we're drinking right now i like yeah. to try to make it so this is called the 150 cocktail oh. i like to call it the sesquicentennial because that's such an awesome word for 150 <laughs> years <laughs> So I'm calling it the sesquicentennial cocktail, and I'll make it, and we'll be right back with it. Okay, so we're back now. Scott's made a drink, and I don't know 
anything that's in it except I'm assuming J.W. Kelly because that's what we're doing. <laughs> um, it looks very much like the scoff law that we made on here in episode maybe 25. You can look it up. You guys should know already. You should be following every episode. <laughs> it's got a very similar color, which that had I know had Gred and Dean because it's red. Yes. And it looks like red. It has juice in it, but it really doesn't have really a lot of juice in it, I don't think. But it looks like it has juice in it. Maybe it does. I don't know. I don't know what's in it. <laughs> but it's very scoff lawish to me. So what's in it, Scott? All right. So yes, it is very scoff lawish. So what's in it is a, an ounce and a half of the single barrel bourbon, uh, an ounce of lemon juice. Oh, there is juice. Okay, and right. half an ounce of simple syrup, okay. a half ounce of grenadine. Oh, yeah. So there's some similar ingredients. And sure. a quarter ounce of what they call absinthe bitters, which is Angostura, Peychaud's, and absinthe. Wait, did you say a quarter ounce of bitters? Mm, absinthe and bitters sort of all mixed together in its own little concoction. A quarter ounce of it, though. A quarter ounce of it, yeah. Basically equal parts of each. Oh, wow. It's so interesting. Yeah. because That's simple, a lot of bitters. Well, the simple syrup in the grenadine is very sweet. Yep. So that's a full ounce of real sweetness. Yes, and yes. only a quarter ounce. Of, yeah, no, no. Uh, yeah. I, don't be scared. My only concern is I would have put another half ounce of whiskey in, but that's just me. Well, we could do that. After we taste after it, so <laughs> I mean, as we are one to do, right. that'll probably happen. Come on, like an ounce and a half of whiskey. What the <laughs> fuck is that type of a trick? Is that what? What is it? A Girl Scout meeting? <laughs> yeah. So we'll call this the one fifty, and if we add in it, then we'll call that the sesquicentennial. Okay. All right. So let's smell it. Oh God, oh, it smells it's nice. So bitter. Oh, you don't. You I, think no, it but bitter? I smell. I smell the licorice from the absence. Absolutely, that's do. so strong on this. The sweetness is buried beneath. Uh, it's like my life. It's like licorice <laughs> oh followed by a stench of bitter, mm. and then a little sweetness underneath because oh, I'm a wow. sweet guy. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's interesting. The lemon juice is so necessary. It's not nearly as off-putting as I expected. No. It's complex. It's really nice. They did a nice job with this, but we definitely need more whiskey. I don't taste whiskey at all. No, I don't taste the whiskey at all. Um, I really like the lemon in it. Yeah. It's almost like a sour that the, you put grenadine and absinthe in it. Yeah. That's the, it. The bitters are not nearly as prevalent as I thought they would be having a quarter ounce in here. Yeah. So I think I have about a, that's about a half ounce of whiskey, right? Left over from when we were tasting it. I'll just pour yeah. that in there. I like that thought. Me too. Yeah. I don't have a stirrer but oh, we're just kind of we'll just roll it in the glass yeah. <laughs> somewhere anders is like what the fuck science are you guys kids. doing <laughs> science kids right <laughs> all right well that yep. helps a lot yep now i can taste the alcohol yeah so you want to definitely pump that up i don't know if they're afraid of like lawsuits or something but yep. like you pump the ounce and a half up to a two ounce two ounces yeah i'm changing Absolutely. it right now in my notes outstanding this is an unbelievable drink I think this would be great in the wintertime with the lemon juice. I think this is now the Whiskey Tangent is promoting this as our snake oil for any illness. Baldness, infidelity. So here's what it Wait, reminds me. No, of. infertility, not infidelity. <laughs> well, it could, it actually could cause infidelity if you drink too much of it. So don't do that. Infidelity. <laughs> you know, because I heard, I heard infertility. That's why we right. kept going on. Right. It was, I meant to say it cures infertility, baldness, the common cold. It helps you get over COVID-related symptoms. <laughs> And it could cause infidelity if you drink too much. So this tastes to me like a bit of a cross between a Sazerac and the penicillin. Yes. It doesn't have the ginger syrup of the penicillin. Yeah, right. So the ingredients again, Scott, one more time, starting with the two ounces of whiskey. One more time. The sesquicentennial. Yeah. The two ounces of J.W. Kelly single barrel bourbon, one ounce of lemon juice, one half ounce of simple syrup, one half ounce of grenadine, and one quarter ounce of... Equal parts of the following three ingredients, Angostura bitters, Peychaud's bitters, and absinthe. 
and they really are necessary because it's famous. I don't like a Boulevardier, which is a very bitter drink. This is not a it's bitter not drink. bitter at it's all. It's not a bitter drink no. at all. So I feel like if you don't have the balance, you just have a sugary mess. And honestly, it's not that sweet because, the lemon because juice. of the lemon juice. Right. Exactly. It's this, everything's balanced really nicely. Man, I mean, God, if you have a cold, this drink is for you. Wow. And let's face it. Any excuse to drink another two ounces of whiskey in your day <laughs> can't be a bad thing. So. We want to thank the people at Benash for Always. recommending it and Always. the people over there in Tennessee mm-hmm. at Keeper's Quest Incorporated, which is the parent company of the J.W. Kelly and Company brand. Right. Good job here. This is a nice whiskey. Yeah. And if you find anything from them, give it a try. You can get their base expressions, which, you know, you should expect a little bit less out of for $30, but you might find a very drinkable and enjoyable whiskey. And if you find a single barrel in your area or you want to get their Melrose Rye I and mean, you want to spend $60, I don't think you're going to be disappointed. They're really not digging you here. This is a pretty good whiskey for a good price. Agreed. I mean, five to eight years and double oaked and the proof of it, $60. Yeah. I mean, they, they really put some time into this and I think it's really good. It's a bargain. Yeah. Well, I thank Scott for making the drink. And so for the Whiskey Tangent Podcast, I'm Ed. I'm Scott. Cheers, everybody. Later. Thank you.